0: Hey there, this is Joe Walsh coming to you from New Zealand, bringing you the Get Out and Surf podcast. This is episode 15, and this is a pretty cool episode. This is a New Zealand surf trip review. I don't have any guests in this episode, it's just me, so just me and you, you and me, hanging out. So I'm going to sit back and tell you everything I've learned from the two and a half weeks since I got here, and from the countless local surfers that I've spoken with, decades of surfing experience, questions asked, advice was given, and I've put it all together into a a pretty cool episode here. So if you've ever thought about coming to New Zealand to go on a surf trip, or if you know anyone who's interested in going to New Zealand, have them check out this episode. Even if you're never going to come, you should definitely hear what it's like. Very different than Costa Rica where I'm from. Very different from surfing in California or Hawaii or any of the other surf trips I've been on and uh, it's been a really cool experience so I figured let's just dig in. The first thing would be getting to New Zealand. How do you get here? Obviously you fly. You got to fly here. Um, I checked flights from all over the U.S. Coming from Costa Rica it's a little bit hard because first off there's no flights from Central America to uh, Asia or Oceania. You literally have to go through the U.S. first, unless I think you can go through Santiago, Chile. There's a flight to Auckland, New Zealand from Chile, but that is kind of out of the way. And since I'm from originally Southern California, I coupled this trip along with a, a couple days to see my folks and and uh, visit with the family. So out of all the flights that I found, flying out of Los Angeles was definitely the best. I know there are flights direct flights from Houston. And I'm pretty sure from New York, like JFK and Chicago has some direct flights, but um, LA seemed to have the best flights. And since I came here with my wife and my three kids buying five tickets, I'm always uh, doing some research and looking for the best deals. And the best flights I found were from Fiji Airways, but there were also some really competitive flights from Air New Zealand and Hawaiian Airlines as well. Um, another flight, uh, the United, United Airlines has uh, a no surfboard uh, fee policy for flights that arrive to California or depart from California. So if you get down to the nitty gritty, if you're taking your board and uh, you're close on flights with the, the prices really close, United might be the way to go. I also fly United a lot and uh, I do like them. But in this case, I found a great Fiji Airways flight from LAX to Auckland, and I believe I paid about $625 round trip. It was pretty cheap. I'd never flown Fiji Air before. I thought they were great. I forgot what it was like to get free food and uh, alcohol on a flight, and uh, that was pretty nice. They do uh, stop in a D Fiji, so it wasn't direct. But, you know, after flying for 11 hours, it's nice to have a little stopover, I guess. Although probably flying direct would have been better. Who knows? Fact of the matter is it was uh, maybe three grand or a little bit more to fly the entire family round trip. But uh, you should definitely look at surfboard charges. That'd probably be the thing, is that I know that with Air New Zealand, they don't have a surfboard. uh, Well, according to their website, their baggage policy, they will accept a surfboard as a checked in piece of luggage. So if you pack light and you bring a board, and you can put all of your things either in your board or carry on, then you don't have a baggage. uh, You don't have a surfboard fee to bring your board on New Zealand air. So that's kind of cool. Something I don't usually do, but I am recommending that you do, and I'm probably going to start doing it more in the future, is uh, buying travel insurance. Travel insurance is a great way if you have anyone in your group get sick, or if you have unexpected work issue arises, you have to fly home early or change anything, or you know your luggage gets stolen, an inexpensive travel insurance policy can cover that. So something like Alliance is what uh, I would recommend checking out. For me though, I have a Chase Reserve credit card, and I definitely recommend checking out the Chase Reserve card or the American Express Platinum card. Those two cards have really great travel insurance built into them. So that's the travel insurance that I use. What's really cool about the chase reserve card as well, is you get access to the priority pass club, which is a group of over a thousand airport lounges. And if you're going to fly on a 12 or 15 hour flight, especially if you're going with your kids, it's really nice when you're having a layover or even before you depart on the first flight to check into a lounge for an hour or so, let the kids get some free food, get a couple drinks, chill out and relax feel a little bit uh, pampered, it does help make traveling a little better. So I definitely recommend checking out that card. The best part of it though, depending on where you travel, sometimes I'm in literally the middle of nowhere, they'll fly you out if there's an emergency. Let's say you get injured, you break a limb, you have some major health issue and you have to get evacuated and sent to a, a hospital your credit card will cover it with the uh, Chase Reserve card or the American Express Platinum card. So that's definitely worth checking out. I guess the next question is, when exactly should you go to New Zealand? I did a lot of calling around before I flew here. I called local surf shops. I talked to friends that had been in New Zealand. And what I understand, what I was told, was that uh, the fall time in New Zealand is a great time to score great waves. Since New Zealand's in the Southern Hemisphere, the seasons are opposite. so. April and May would be the same as an October and November in North America. So I decided to come here during the month of April. And I was pleasantly surprised. Got plenty of waves since I've been here. Pretty much there's a swell every week during the month of April, they say. But what I really did learn is that New Zealand has waves year-round. It isn't just like a few months of the year has surf. You're talking about two islands, a North Island and a South Island. You're talking about separate coasts. You've got the Tasman Sea on the West Coast. You've got the Pacific Ocean on the East Coast. And as far as being in the North Island, you're only a couple hours away driving from one side to the other. So if you're in the West Coast and the surf goes flat and there's swell on the East Coast, you can literally jump in your car and be surfing a couple hours later. So that's pretty cool. The thing though to consider is the water temperature and it does get cold here. If you look at New Zealand on a map, you'll realize that it is very far south. It is very south and gets quite cold in the May, June, July, and August months. That's the winter in New Zealand. And so for me, I like to take water temperature into consideration when I go on a surf trip, I didn't wanna be here and be freezing my ass off. So I wanted to come here when there was gonna be plenty of waves when the water was still quite mild and where I didn't need the thickest wetsuit, booty and hood. And so I was uh, pretty happy I chose April, but I would definitely say that any month of the year that you come here, you're gonna find waves. It just depends on what the surf's doing at that time. You need to have a bit of a flexible schedule uh, and you'll find surf. So what should you bring when you come to New Zealand? Probably the first thing to put in your suitcase would be a travel adapter to convert 220 volts to 110 volts. Otherwise, everything you bring from the U.S. or Canada won't work. Everything in New Zealand's 220 If you're coming from Europe, if you're coming from another part of the world, you're still going to probably want to get a travel adapter. There's some great ones on Amazon that are like 12 bucks. They will work from no matter where you're coming in the world to where you're going in the world. They've got every type of plug. There's also a couple of USB plugs in the side. They're great. So I brought a couple of those. I also brought a power strip to plug into that so then I could plug in my laptop, plug in a, uh, like a multi USB charging dock. My kids have, you know, their phones and their tablets. So everyone's happy, but make sure you bring that travel adapter. You definitely want to bring your wetsuit. And I would suggest bringing multiple suits because depending on where you go, you could be literally in this month of April, there were some guys trunking it and wearing just neoprene jackets and spring suits, but most people were wearing a 3-2 full suit. If you were to go to the South Island though, you would start needing to wear a 4-3. And definitely in the winter months, New Zealand's winter months, you definitely need that 4-3. You're gonna wanna have booties and you're gonna wanna even bring a hood. So my suggestion would be to bring a 3-2 and a 4-3, bring your booties and bring your hood. I'm a pretty fair water surfer, having lived in Costa Rica almost, 20 years. So I get cold a little bit easier than I used to. So that 4.3 comes out a little bit sooner for me than maybe for some of my friends. But having said that on this trip, I've only needed my 3-2. The air has actually been colder than the water. So I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't so cold. I do think this is a little bit warmer than average this year right now. So maybe I'm a little lucky with that. I definitely recommend bringing multiple wetsuits and probably two of each suit if you're super Fair water surfer, and you want to surf more than once a day, your suit's going to get wet. So if you surf at night and it doesn't dry out by the next morning, you're going to have kind of a wet, wet suit. And if you want to paddle out for that Dawn Patrol, that's going to suck. I didn't do that. I just have my 3-2 and my 4-3. I'm totally fine. I'm just saying that it's a little colder here than I expected. And so I also su- I also suggest bringing some warm clothes, pants, long sleeve shirt, flannel, jacket, couple jackets. I have a heavier jacket. I wasn't sure if I needed it. And I am so glad that I brought it because it does get cold. It gets windy. It gets cold. And this isn't even the coldest time of year. You should bring an unlocked cell phone. I have an iPhone. That's unlocked. So no matter where I go in the world, I can get a SIM card and it works. And it's great. As soon as I flew into Auckland, there's a Vodafone right there. There's a couple Vodafone and some other, I think it's called spark. You could buy a SIM card. I paid about $40 us. It's supposed to last for two months. I won't be here that long, but whatever. It had plenty of data, calling, texting, could call like 200 uh, or 120 minutes or something to the US uh, included, unlimited WhatsApp, uh, you know, like chat and uh, calling and video calling too. So that's pretty cool. And it wasn't too expensive. Seems to work in a lot of places, um, in most places. So make sure you bring a, a good cell phone that can accept that SIM card bring your ATM card. There's New Zealand dollars are used here. Uh, They don't accept US dollars. They don't accept Canadian dollars. Um, Just to note right now, I think the New Zealand dollar to the US dollar is something like one New Zealand dollar is about 65 US cents. So I think the exchange rate is pretty decent if you're coming from the US. But pretty much everywhere takes a credit card. So I've been using my credit card 99% of the time. I'd also suggest that you pick up the New Zealand surfing guide that's uh, published by Wavetrack. I'll put it in the show notes. NewZealandSurfingGuide.com is the website on the back of the book. It has almost 500 surf breaks detailed in the book. This little book has been so handy. Tons of little maps, tells you the right tides, tells you the right swell directions, it tells you pretty much everything you know because as you'll find out when you get to New Zealand, it's very empty here. You know, it's uh, not even five million people. It's five times the size of Costa Rica. It's real easy to get lost. There's lots of little roads, so I'm glad I had that cell phone. I use my Apple Maps uh, on my iPhone. That works great. It seems to work better than Waze. And that, with this surfing guide, has been pretty much all I've used. That, of course, in talking to everyone I can, asking for uh, local knowledge. And that's how I've been finding the wave. So I definitely suggest picking up that book. Um, pretty much everywhere you stay, there's gonna be Hot water heaters, and I'm a big coffee guy. I need to have my coffee in the morning, and you can buy instant coffee here. It's really good. They make great coffee in New Zealand. I'm just putting it on the list of what to bring because if you fly in and you end up staying in some hostel or somewhere that doesn't have your coffee and the stores are closed, you're going to be bummed. But you'll probably have a hot water heater, and you'll remember that Joe Walsh told you in that podcast that you had to have your instant coffee and you didn't bring it, you'd be bummed. So I'm putting it on the list. I also suggest bringing some wax, some cool water wax and an extra leash. Yes, you can buy those things at a surf shop. There's plenty of surf shops in New Zealand, but if you fly in and you go straight to the beach and you wanna paddle out the morning you get here, it's early morning, you're gonna be bummed if you didn't bring wax, you didn't have that leash, or maybe you're in the middle of nowhere here and your leash breaks and you don't have an extra one. So anytime I take a surf trip, I always try to show up with wax and an extra leash. I also definitely suggest bringing surf straps and soft racks for your car, because as you'll find most every single car and camper van in this country does not have racks. Everyone puts their boards in their cars. If you rent a car, it's not going to have racks. You're going to need soft racks. You're going to want to have straps, bring them. You'll thank me. So once you're here in New Zealand, how do you get around? Well, The first thing I want to remind you is that you drive on the left side of the road in New Zealand. If you've never done that before, it takes a little getting used to. I've driven on the left side when I was in uh, Indonesia, and that was with a stick shift, which is even gnarlier. Here, it seems like most of the cars are automatic, but driving on the left side takes a little bit of getting used to. So be aware of that. It's not impossible, but take your time. Look both ways multiple times because you will end up driving on the right side of the road on accident. And if you're not careful, you'll get run over by some big trucks. So don't want to do that. But having said that you are going to need a car public transit here is not that great. Uber only exists. Really I've seen it in Auckland outside of Auckland. I haven't seen it. Uh, taxis are pretty expensive. They don't seem to be a lot of those around either. So really your options are renting a car or renting a camper van like a motorhome, which is pretty cool. There's tons of options for motorhomes here. You see them everywhere. I decided on this trip, I wasn't going to camp though. And I would do the rental car. I was able to get a minivan for a month for like 700 bucks. So it was a pretty good deal. I think you should note the gas here is not that cheap. It's like, I want to say about five bucks a gallon, maybe a little more, but it's a pretty small country and a tank of gas seems to last a while and you're really gonna to need to have that van or car or uh, whatever, you're gonna to need to have wheels because the surf breaks are pretty remote. They're not easy to get to. There's no other way to get to them. So it's pretty critical that you have wheels. So I guess the next question is, where should you go surfing? Now, there's a few spots that are infamous here in New Zealand. Probably top of the list is Raglan. And of course, I had to go there because I'd heard about Raglan my entire life. The thing about Raglan is, It's a great wave. It's actually a series of waves. If you listened to the last episode, you would have heard all about it. It's an awesome setup, but it's also very crowded because everyone's heard of Raglan, and for good reason, it's a world-class wave. A couple of the other world-class spots would be Shipwreck Bay. Both Raglan and Shipwreck Bay were featured in the original "Endless Summer with Robert August and Mike Henson. Also the Coromandel Peninsula on the Upper East Coast Just south of Auckland is quite popular, tons of surfers there. But if you're looking to get a little more remote, you want to get away from the Auckland area, you want to get away from Raglan, you want to get away from Shipwreck Bay, and you want to get away from the Coromandel Peninsula. What I've found, and really my trip's been limited here to the North Island, but from what I've found and from what I understand is that the further south you go, the less crowded it gets, especially on the East Coast. South of the East Cape on the East Coast of the North Island of New Zealand, things start getting quite remote, especially once you get south of uh, Hawke's Bay. Access gets harder. The roads get worse. You end up driving miles to get to the beach. And if there isn't surf, you've got to turn around and come back, go inland and then south or north and then take another road out to the beach. There isn't some really nice coastal highway. But that limits how many people are there. The Taranaki Peninsula, which is the southern west coast of the North Island of New Zealand, has some very famous waves such as Stent Road. What's cool about Taranaki is that it literally picks up a 180 degree swell window. So you've got waves coming from all directions that can hit the uh, peninsula. And also depending on how the wind's blowing, somewhere's always gonna be offshore. It seems like everyone here in New Zealand at least those I've talk, I've spoken with so far, use swellmap.co.nz. That's the local swell forecasting website. Seems to work a little better than things like uh, Magic Seaweed or Surfline. I've also been using windy.com to forecast the wind. That seems to be pretty accurate, but really the best thing to do is talk to the locals. Go to the local surf shops and support them. Talk to the local surfboard shapers. Talk to the local surfers in the surf parking lots, in the lineup, or probably better to wait until after someone surfed when they're changing back at their truck. Talk to them about the waves. Ask them where else might be good. Get the local knowledge. That's what I've been doing, and it's gold. It really is. New Zealand's got all kinds of waves. It really does. There's point breaks. There's large stretches of beach breaks. There's reefs. There's these river mouths that... Uh, have this gravelly stone bottom with these bars that get formed from the water flowing out that once the bars get set up they, they tend to hold for quite a while meaning weeks or even months a spot could be good but then again the same river mouse the, uh, the the bars could change and the wave could disappear sometimes for years at a time but there are tons of waves there are waves with lots of people again places like raglan i would wake up at daybreak and there'd already be 10 guys out tons of hot local surfers. But then there's also breaks such as here on the East Coast. Like right now I'm in Napier, which is Hawke's Bay. And uh, as I drive south and hit the coast, I encounter beach breaks with pumping surf and absolutely no one out. So you kind of have to be careful what you wish for. You know, if you're in some crowded spot and you're wishing you were surfing somewhere with nobody, you might find that wave and you realize, wow, there's nobody out and I'm in the middle of nowhere. And I kind of wish I had someone to surf with and watch my back. So you can get off the map. You can find more isolated spots with nobody out. That is true. And as far as the lineup, the people seem to be pretty mellow. The local surfers, uh, there's some solid talent here. There's some solid local surfing going on. But there isn't a real aggressive vibe. I haven't had anyone once say, hey, beat it, kook. I have scored some good waves and maybe felt a little tension like, hey, who's that guy who's getting all those waves? So you have to make sure that you, uh, you play fair. Make sure you know the rules. If you're a good surfer, don't take too many waves. If you're a learning surfer, make sure you know the rules of surfing etiquette. You do that and you'll be fine. New Zealanders seem to be very chill. They really do. So what kind of boards do you need to bring? I would suggest to bring your go-to surfboard and bring a step-up board, something to surf some bigger waves. I was surprised. I didn't think that um, I'd be encountering the size of waves that I found. I only brought my 6.0. I should have brought my 6.6 thruster. I usually bring that on bigger days, and uh, I didn't bring it on this trip, probably because I was with the wife and kids, and although I'm doing a lot of surfing while I'm here, I didn't have a lot of room for stuff, and I don't know. I guess I'm used to surfing my 6.0 even when the surf gets sizable, but it gets bigger than I expected, especially on the West Coast, which is the Tasman Sea. I kind of had this vision that the Tasman Sea was this smaller body of water between New Zealand and Australia that, you know, could provide some some decent waves, but, you know, the fetch isn't so big. So really, how big could those waves be? And what I didn't realize is that some of these swells are coming from as far away as South Africa you really get a lot of open ocean swell. And uh, I saw some giant waves uh, when I was surfing Raglan. I'm talking double overhead, maybe even a little bigger. Um, it was epic, it definitely was, but I was, I was undergunned. So I definitely suggest having a board to surf bigger waves. I guess the big question that I had, and uh, now that I've been here, I could probably answer it a little better is, should you bring your board? Should you rent a board? Or should you buy a board when you're here? If you're flying an airline that charges $150 each way, you're going to pay 300 bucks to bring your board. If you're going to rent a board here, you're probably going to pay about $35 a day to rent a board. And if you're going to buy a board, man, I thought boards would be cheaper, probably because in Tamarindo, you can buy beat up used board for pretty cheap. There's lots of boards floating around. And while there are quite a few boards floating around New Zealand, they really aren't that cheap. Even a hammered thruster, I was looking for a bigger board, even a hammered thruster was still 450 bucks. If you do wanna buy a board, the website that you should check out is trademe.co.nz. And I would really only suggest buying a board if you're gonna be here for a while because it might be hard to sell it at the end of your trip. If you're gonna rent a board, you probably should do it in Auckland at one of the local shops, the same town that you fly in and out of. If you fly in and out of Christchurch, rent a board there. Otherwise, you're only gonna find surf shops on the coast where there's waves And even then, not all the shops rent boards. I opted to bring my board, probably because if I'm going to pay all this money to go travel to the other side of the world to go surf, I want to be riding on my own equipment. It really sucks to go somewhere far away. The waves are firing and you got to get some board you're not used to and you blow a lot of your drops or you just don't make the turns that you're normally making because you're trying to figure out some board that really isn't the best board for you. So what else is there to do in New Zealand besides surf? Well, if you like camping and hiking, this place is ideal. And while I'm not here on a camping and hiking trip, I have my three-year-old daughter, and we're doing uh, mainly surfing and more of the touristy things. It really is an ideal spot for that. So if you're outdoorsy, which we normally are, we're just not doing it on this trip, camping and hiking is top of the list. It's super beautiful here, so just driving through the country is an amazing experience. It's really unpopulated, rolling hills. There's sheep and cattle just sprawling the hillsides. It's just pure beauty, really is. Lots of vineyards, lots of apple orchards, lots of really awesome volcanoes and very raw ocean settings. It's, it's, uh, it's cool just to travel the country and take it all in, take photos. This trip, we were doing kind of the adrenaline thing. As soon as we got to New Zealand, it was my son's 13th birthday and he really wanted to jump off the Sky Tower, which is the tallest building in New Zealand. So that's what he and I did on day one. And it was pretty awesome. I had never done anything like that before. Neither had he. It's I think around 700 feet up and uh, well, you just jump off the edge. You're attached to a cable and by the time you get to the bottom, it slows down, but it was pretty gnarly. Um, He went first so of course (laughs) since he went first I had to go but uh, I stood there at the edge looking down and uh, well I'm here now so everything went fine but if you're into adrenaline New Zealand's got you covered there's tons of bungee jumping we actually went bungee jumping again in Rotorua that was cool Uh, there's zip lines there's uh, there's lots of activities like that if you're into uh, into getting your blood pumping. There's also a really strong Maori culture here. Uh, the Maori are the local indigenous. Um, I believe 25% of the country is Maori. And you see them everywhere. They've got these really, really cool facial tattoos. Um, so, y- you know, uh, they totally stand out. They're descendants of uh, the of Polynesia. They look Samoan. When we were in Rotorua, we went to a really cool Maori cultural experience, like a dinner, they do all this like you know, tribal dances and play this music and share the culture with you. And I thought it was super cool. I definitely recommend checking it out. That would be something that you have to do if you're gonna come to New Zealand. Uh, Now I'm in Hawke's Bay, which is the epicenter of wineries and craft beer. And anyone that knows me knows that I love craft beer and I do love red wine. So this is a great place to take that in. The food, I kind of expected it to be better, to be honest. The, the main dish that you're going to find anywhere at the local bakeries is a sausage roll or a uh, steak pie, like a steak and mushroom pie, which is like this pastry. It's like a, I don't know, it's like, a, like a little pot pie or these quiches. Um, they kind of sit in your gut. I mean, I'm eating them. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But, uh, and there's a lot of like fresh seafood. You know, we've got mussels, they've got squid, uh, fresh fish. But uh, I'm just being honest, I wasn't blown away by the culinary experience that uh, I was kind of expecting here in New Zealand. So I wouldn't say coming here on, a, uh, on an eating adventure would be uh, top of the list, but you will find some good food and you'll find some really good beer and wine. You know, I made a list for the next time that I come, the things that I'm gonna do different. And I think the top of the list is, I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna go on a camping trip. I'm gonna rent the motorhome because there are campgrounds everywhere. You can freedom camp here, which means basically there's these parking lots on the beach, in the mountains, in the country, designated for people to go park and camp. I believe it's free. Um, There's bathrooms everywhere too, public bathrooms. And they're nice. It's not like when you go to San Diego and you go to like the beach parking lot and it's like homeless people living in there. These are like maintained, really clean you can go camping people camp they have just vans without bathrooms you just sleep in the van you use the public bathrooms it's a lot more of an infrastructure there than i expected so next time i come i'm doing the camping thing next time i come i'm also bringing a bigger surfboard i think i told you that (laughs) and i'm bringing warmer clothes i'm leaving the tank tops at home because i brought a few tank tops and i haven't worn them once i've worn my heavy jacket most days And I've worn the same pair of pants most days too, because I only have, well, I have two pair of pants. One of them I like, one of them I don't like. So I'm wearing the pair of pants that I like. And uh, I am wearing shorts. It's not like it's freezing, but it gets a lot colder. This is the end of summer, the start of fall. Technically it's fall, but they say in New Zealand, you can experience all four seasons in the same day. And I can understand why. You get a lot of strong winds. uh, The sun can go behind the clouds and it can drop 20 degrees instantly. The locals seem to have it uh, dialed and don't seem as bothered. I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm a fair weather traveler. Probably again, like I said, living in Costa Rica for all these years. So I definitely would bring some warmer clothes. Besides that though, I'd probably, uh, I'd bring less things. I brought a lot of clothes I haven't worn at all. And uh, I wouldn't put them in a hard suitcase. I'd bring a duffel bag next time. Because uh, if you're getting a camper, especially, or like I am, with my wife and three kids, surfboard, stroller, and uh, audio gear for the podcast, we're packed full. So I'd probably bring a little less stuff, except for an extra board. And uh, if I was going to come here longer, I might even buy a van because they're really cheap. I've seen some cool camper vans for sale for like fifteen hundred bucks US, two grand US. You know, basically, if I was here for two to three months, I'd buy a van and last on the list what other observations do i have well like i told you people drive on the left side of the road which is pretty interesting if you're not used to it the one thing i wasn't expecting though new zealanders are uh they're really mellow they're really friendly they're super chill until they get in their car and then they drive like madmen. and even the speed limit on some of these curved roads because it's literally curved roads in the whole country it's a bunch of curved roads I don't know what New Zealand has against straight roads, probably all the hills, but people drive like really, really fast. You know, I'm not a super slow driver. I think I'm like a normal driver. I am a safe driver, but I swear, I feel like I'm going really slow here. And they come right up behind you. And then you're like, what are you doing right behind me? And you know, fortunately, there's some like pullout lanes for all of the campers. So you just pull over, let them pass. But that's one thing I wasn't expecting. There are a ton of sheep here. I heard that before, and it's true. They're everywhere. Something I kind of like about New Zealand is you can still pump your gas before you pay for it. I uh, I don't know. That would never work in Costa Rica. Just the same way you could never have like a all-you-could-eat buffet in Costa Rica. Just wouldn't work. Everyone would take advantage of it. And uh, here in New Zealand, you can pump your gas. Uh, not everywhere, but in a lot of places, you can pump your gas, and then you go in and pay. So I thought that was kind of cool. And you know what? Wine bottles have screw tops here. Not just the cheap wine. The really nice wine does too. So I don't know, I thought that was kind of funny. They use the word grunty. I'd never heard it before and I like it. I don't know if I'm gonna start using it but I'll use it in a sentence. That wave has some real grunty barrels coming in. (laughs) They also use the term sweet as and I'm not really sure how to even use that but I think it's cool. Someone texted me and one sentence was sweet as period. I gotta Google that, not sure what it means. You can't spit here. It's illegal. So if you like to spit, hold on to your spit. Don't spit. There's no spitting here. The lottery is a big deal here. I'm not a lotto guy. Some people are. In Costa Rica, it's kind of a big deal. In uh, New Zealand, they literally have an entire section in the front of the grocery store. And there's a line of people lined up to buy lotto tickets. I thought that was kind of weird. I've noticed lots of dreadlocks. Lots of women with like red and purple dyed hair. A lot of people barefoot, like barefoot in the grocery store or just barefoot in the museum. Like what's up with that? I don't know. I guess it's cool. I mean, I'd be cold, but I guess if you're in New Zealand, you're used to it, but the hairy hobbit feet. Um, But overall, New Zealand seems to be a very orderly country. People seem to have a lot of really good manners, except when they're driving and they drive really fast um they seem very welcoming overall it's been a very cool experience um i feel blessed to be able to have come here bring my entire family here show them the other side of the world i had never been before everyone i'd ever spoken to, uh, to about new zealand had nothing but good things to say and i can see why so there you go that's the new zealand surf trip review i hope you enjoyed it if you have any questions about new zealand feel free to give me an email. You can email the podcast at getoutandsurfcr at gmail.com or just hit us up on Instagram, direct message at getoutandsurf. And that's it. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the Get Out and Surf podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Witch's Rock Surf Camp, located beachfront in Tamarindo, Costa Rica. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. That would be great. That's it. We'll see you next week, same place, same time, with another episode of Get Out and Surf. Pura Vida y nos vemos.